This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. It's the Sunday Showcase on the Mutual Audio Network. Following audio drama is rated G for general audience. Even your grandmother can watch it with you. That's music from the talented Sharon B. I'm Jack Ward, and this is Mutual Presents. This week, we begin Sunday sessions from MadCon 2021 from July, starting with host Lothar Tuppen welcoming everyone with panelists Michael Berganzi, Jeff Billard, and Tanya Malayevich. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our third day of MadCon, where we'll be focusing on my personal favorite of part of making audio dramas, production, editing, mastering, releases, and etc. I'm Lothar Tuppen. I've been acting, writing, and producing an audio drama world since 2010. I'm the creator of The Sword of the Crimson Tatters, The Degasian, The Tainted Noctuary, among other productions, and I'm a proud, proud to be a founding member of the Mutual Audio Network. And with me are three wonderful panelists this morning, and we get to start off with Michael Berganzi. Michael um, is a critic. Oh, sorry. sorry. I'm sorry. I have a little intro for you. Just gotcha. needed to get to it. Michael is a critic and founder of Audio Drama Reviews, which started as a blog in 2011 and then a podcast in 2018, and has reviewed over 300 audio drama productions, including full cast productions and audiobooks. He's interviewed several creators, including Shane Salk of Cassarium, Richard Toskin of Star Wars, and Casey Wayland of, Bron- of Broneville on his secondary podcast, Audio Drama News and Interviews. How are you doing this morning, Michael? Doing good. How about you? Doing great. Thanks for being here. Next up, we have Jeff Billard. As we've heard throughout this uh, weekend, um, Jeff is a teacher, director, actor, producer, writer. He made his first appearances in Broken Sea Audio, which is how he and I first met via Bill Holwig, mm-hmm. followed by tons of acting gigs, including but not limited to Narada Radio Company, Electric by Kuna Production, some of my productions with the Ninth Tower, and his own company, Audio Groove Cats, The Amigos Collective, and co host Sonic Echo with Jack Warden and myself. How are you doing this morning, Jeff? I'm doing fantastic. Looking forward to the third day. First two days have been amazing. Awesome. And last alphabetically, but never last to show up at the Mutual Audio Tiki Bar is Tanya Milojevich of Lightning Bolt Theater of the Mind. And your Mai Tai will be ready after this panel. Tanya is a writer, voice actor, and producer. And as both Jeff and I can attest, Tanya makes all of our productions always sound better by being in them. So thank you for being here, Tanya. That's for sure. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So welcome to the third day. We're all a little punchy, but it's been a really good time. But I'm really curious about um, Michael as a critic and scholar. What have you thought about this weekend? What what have uh, 
What have you come away with? Um, I wish I wish we'd had time to do more, I guess, more watching, I guess, but I've only been to, like the one panel, like that was yesterday, I think it was. And Which so was- it was the one, the first one, I think, oh, after, okay. I think or whatever, one of the, one of the two. Right. Um, what I took away from that, but what I took away from that one was the, um, I guess how Jack was talking about like the, um, the community aspect of audio drama kind of thing mm-hmm. and how like it's not so much about like hey this show is um this show is either premium or like free i guess like he talked about like um getting the getting as much get as much exposure as possible i guess rather than like right. keeping it like yeah like mm-hmm. very small and like keep it like niche i guess so to speak so that's really interesting i think so yeah nice Right on. Jeff, what about you? What, did, what was your big takeaways from yesterday? I know yesterday was a big day for you because it was all about acting and you were on yeah. almost every panel. So uh, how are you feeling today? <laughs> and uh, how are, what, what were you, what were you able, what's been percolating in your mind since yesterday? Well, yeah, yesterday was especially uh, good for me being a, you know, acting teacher and director of the stage and um, for so many years. And um I just loved, I love listening to everybody's thoughts and, and um, just kind of because so often in this medium, we're all doing our own thing all the time. It's, uh, it's, it was nice to see people and make connections like, you know, with Bob Arnold and, and Chatterbucks and Scott Valentine and Campfire and, you know, people that I, I've listened to their stuff, but I, I never knew them or didn't talk to them or getting to actually talk face-to-face with David Alt, which was a treat. You know, I've never done that before. Um, and so for me, a lot of it was making those connections and then just listening to people's expertise and, and you know, listening to the, um, the panel you were on about equipment with Kareem and Ed, you know, and, and not knowing half of what they were talking about, you know, and, and, and but, but being like, not because of them because of me because i'm like you know you know when you start talking about mics and stuff i'm like i don't know you know so um but to learn and to say oh okay that's good for this that's good for this or you know eat a eat a granny smith apple and you know it'll take away you know i'm going that's amazing so so it's it's listening to all of this just um you know wisdom that people have garnered over the years that that have had over the years that they're so willing to just share with everyone and so generous everyone's so generous you know talking about you know ellie metlin about her work on stage and her just i could talk to her all day uh, you know she's just so interesting and so compelling and you know and and uh, and seeing that so it's just um i think it's just been amazing I, i'm you know I'm, I'm tired but i'm totally like pumped at the same time do you know, you know what I mean? That kind oh, yeah. of, kind of worn down, but I'm ready to go. I was, you know, I was at my computer at nine o'clock this morning, just waiting for the, you know, host is going to come in, you know, cause that's, <laughs> I'm just ready, you know, I'm just ready to go. I'm ready to go. You, you, you know? You're the guy and, that like uh, sleeps outside the hall door with his backpack at the convention when, when it's a live yeah, convention. Yeah, that's kind of me. Yeah, I, yeah, I just wish here. there was more like, you know, I just could buy a MadCon t-shirt, you know, but uh, anyway, mm-hmm. awesome. Cool. Yeah. Tanya, what about you? I know that you were uh, on a lot of panels yesterday, had really great feedback. And uh, how, how are you feeling today? And what did you get from yesterday? 
Yeah, I'm super excited uh, for today as well. And yesterday, um, I learned also a lot about, you know, more on the theater side, which I didn't know. And some of the techniques, uh, Jeff, that you shared were super helpful that I think, oh, thank you. I think I'm going to kind of look into just to have more tools because you can never learn and grow more than, than you have it. You know, it, it's, it's always, there's always room for growth and for improvement. So just the collaboration, um, helpful tips that everybody shared and the techniques and kind of the different points of view that all make sense. Um, they're just, you know, in different contexts is great. And then the networking too. I love, I, I, it was really cool to meet Bob Arnold from Chatterbox. I've been listening to it since, I don't know, for years. <laughs> so just getting yeah. to put faces to the names that we all, um, you know, we all encounter each other on social media sometimes or listen to each other's shows here and there, but it's, there's nothing like being together in the same place. And like you were saying, Jeff, it's, um, you're tired, but you feel like I did it. I got to meet everybody. And, uh, it almost feels like things are back to normal, even with COVID still being a thing, it, it restores some of that. So it's, it's great. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, Learned so much yesterday, both from the the acting side, and then um, just got really jazzed by some of the the new information about the, the sort of pre production recording technical side of it. Um, it's always great. We all have a little bit of information. Some people have a whole lot of information, but when you get that little extra piece, it's like I didn't even know that my puzzle needed that piece to be put oh, in. Yeah. It. Mm. it can be really exciting and, and super fun. It's like getting a new toy to play with. It's just a blast. Um, and I would just jump you know, in, uh, both. I would encourage participants and panelists that that uh, I sent out a number of emails to people especially ones that were on panels that I moderated thanking them for you know doing it and, and just making a connection with them so that now you know I've sent out an email and they've responded and, and so now there's a there's a pathway there of future communication and I would encourage if, if people feel like there was somebody like you know if like thank you for saying what you said Tanya about stuff about acting that that I said you know if, if you or anybody else has questions about any of that stuff, email me, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'll be happy to, you know, I can talk about acting forever. So it's, it's just, um, I'm always happy to do it. And since I'm, you know, retired professor, I, I have a lot of time to do it. So it's, um, you know, so I would encourage people to, you know, once this stops um, and you kind of process everything, which I spent a lot of time this morning processing the first two days, um, reach out to people who, you know, you were impressed with, or you have questions for, or you just want to work with, you know, and, and um, don't let it end with, you know, at 10 o'clock tonight or whatever time it ends. Yeah. And for people who may not have experienced convention stuff before, send out those emails, make those contacts within the next 24 to 48 hours yes. or else it's going to drop off your brain. It's going to right. be a wonderful memory. And then in six months, you're going to, you know, I really should have contacted that person. I forgot about it because real life uh, came back into play again. So yeah. don't, don't sit on that one. That's a, that's a great part. Anybody you've made a connection with, anybody you want to make a connection with, you go, hey, I want to know more, do that. And that ties into a couple, um, I'm going to keep some other Q&A, but this is kind of appropriate now. We've got a couple um, Q&As from anonymous attendee Oh, great. Con provide Woo! paid participants with a directory of contact info and location for all the wonderful people who spoke at this convention. For example, Jeff Billard, email address, Cape Cod location, etc. Um, 
or also can you email all paid participants with a link to the page where you'll be posting links to all the archived webinars. I know that um, Jack is planning on doing some stuff with Brian Bocchicchio, both for contact list for people of whatever information they feel comfortable giving out, as well as links to all this will be coming. I'm not sure exactly what format uh, Jack and Brian are gonna come up with. I know it's gonna be on the YouTube channel. Um, it'll also be somehow connected with the website in some way. I know that uh, a lot of people are interested, so we will be doing this, and I'm sure Jack will be sending more information out as soon as they decide how that's all going to happen, but we're not going to let this go, and definitely every resource, every um, show that people do, we're going to we're gonna try and keep that out and make this a big communication hub. And uh, another comment, there were wonderful tips and resources mentioned yesterday, as i.e. using Moby and U.S. military music for potential no-cost music and productions. Will there be a handout PDF with these great tips for paid participants? I took notes, but don't want to miss anything. We don't, some of us have notes, some don't. I think that we're going to keep that shared folder up and maybe turn, I would like to maybe write some post-mortems for the show. Too. Put some yeah. information in there. I think we, we will, I'd like to encourage everybody who has participated to, if they have something, even if it's a half page sort of like addenda to what we talked about, feel free to put it in, send it to us, and maybe we can find some way of putting it up. Um, again, I don't want to speak for Jack and, and give him and Brian more work to do, but maybe we can all you know, continue to share this. One of the ideas that I was having after this is this would be great to, for anybody who wants to make blog posts afterwards. Hey, I have some thoughts based on that conversation. Let's keep the conversation going and maybe turn some of this into you know these vague brainstorming thoughts and, and ideas and say, hey, maybe here's a new way we can do it. And, and make it a little bit more of like, here's a new theory or here's a new practice we could do. And what do you guys think about that? And really keep it going. I'm glad you brought that up, Lothar, because now you made me think that um, and I had the same idea about, you know, a blog post or like, even if you could, and again, I don't want to make more work for Jack and Brian, but, you know, even if you could embed blog posts into MadCon, um, you know, or something like that, because what I heard of, what I heard a few times, I think people like Scott Valentine and some other, and certainly you and I and Tanya, um, was that even though the old audio drama talk format may be you know, a little bit archaic with social media now, I still feel like there's, like there would be a, um, a calling for something like that still. Do you know what I mean? Where people could just go on and, because I, you know, it, it, or some way, it doesn't have to be that, but some way maybe through the MadCon website where people could stay in communication with each other, like you said, a central hub. Um, yeah, so, you know, you know again, you know, that, that's, that, that, that is a whole ton of work to do something like that, but maybe even just right. a page of people to put up their links to something where they could go there and see everybody who connected. But, you know, we talk more about this, you know, yeah. with Jack uh, when he's, able to participate and not you know, go, what did they just volunteer me to do? <laughs> Tanya, yeah. what, what about you? There's, what are you thinking about some of this? Yeah, I was going to say there's a subreddit for audio drama too. So that's that's kind of a cool place to find people yeah. if you're a Reddit fan. I know personally, I don't really use it that, that much. Um, but the other thing I was thinking too, that might be pretty simple to set up is just a quick email list. You know how Broken C used to have um, a mass yeah. you know, email you could subscribe and what have you? Uh, that yeah. might be simpler in addition at some point, obviously we don't want to do all of this uh, stuff immediately. We're going to do it as, as we can. And if the questions and need arises, but uh, having like an email listserv or something, as long as you have rules, like don't spam, um, we're good. Yeah. You know, then I think people just get that as a centralized hub and it's convenient and it's easy to set up. 
but in any case, um, I, I'm super excited. Like in terms of tips, I have a couple of things I'd like to share about just microphone positioning, cleaning your lines, getting rid of some of the common audio issues uh, in general terms so that you can apply it to whatever setup you have and, and whatever you're using. It's just the general concepts that are explained yeah. so that if you're just getting started, at least you have somewhere to jump off from and um, some ideas of, of uh, setups that you can create at home as well. So I can just throw in handouts that were good. I was going to say really important to me, honestly, that helps a lot is air filters because you know, as you know, in your booth, wherever it is that you're recording, if there isn't a whole lot of ventilation or it just happens when the door opens, it doesn't always feel like the air is the, the best quality it could be. And air filters really, really freshen it out. It helps me, especially if I have to do longer sessions or maybe it gets humid or whatever. I have a dehumidifier of an air filter. I go overboard with it, but it really does help. Keeps everything nice and comfortable. Um, so I'll share like a quick thing as well on that, on air filters and uh, the Germ Guardian, which is pretty good. It has a HEPA system as well. Anyway. Great. Yeah. It'd be fantastic. And um, I know Jack's going to be uh, taking a well-deserved vacation after this. So as soon as uh, he gets back and starts getting settled in, we'll bring this back up to him to, uh, to see where we can go with it and, and work out a way that, you know, makes sense for, for him, Brian, all the rest of us without him yeah. wanting to like, come out to California and say, what did you do in that morning panel, Lothar? What did you make me do? <laughs> Let's uh, move on to what's going to be going on today. So we've got a number of panels. Uh, the next one is going to be sessions moderated by Jack Ward entitled Breaking It Down. And here we're gonna be discussing how to start the post-production process. And this is the first step that the person, whether called a director, producer, editor, whatever, is going to need to get a handle on in order to start creating that final vision and product. And Jack's gonna be joined by Ellie Maitland, John Scott Ballantyne, and myself for that one. Next up, we're gonna have a panel, Structuring Your Production World. And there we're gonna be discussing the project, sort of project managerial concerns from the beginning of post to final release. And this panel is also gonna be moderated by Jack Ward. Um, I'm gonna be there with Paul Walsh. And then after that, we're gonna enter the world of this soundscape and sound effects, dynamic movement, and all the other things that contribute to an acoustic style. And I'm moderating that session titled Soundscapes with Dane Leonardson, Austin Beach, and Michael Stokes. Really looking forward to that one. And our penultimate panel before the end of the weekend wrap up is Now I Am The Master, which at first I thought was going to cover geopolitics and world domination death traps, but it is not. It is only going to cover um, things like, oh, final audio mastering, maximizing audio for various end listening experiences and quality control. No pressure there. Maybe that's not like, oh, maybe the most important thing at that point. And that's going to be moderated by Jeff Billard. And he's going to be joined by me, Scott ba John Scott Ballantyne, Pete Lutz, and Michael Stokes. And then we're going to have a convention wrap up led by Jack Ward with um, Jeff Billard, Pete Lutz, and myself. Um, what does everybody feel like they might want to um, get out of some of those sessions? And Michael, why don't we start with you? And, and are you, do you, how much, I know you do a podcast, how much uh, audio production do you do? How much of this is a fan sort of thing? And I know you've had a very strong relationship with the audio drama community, but I don't know too much about, about your role. So what is your role with sort of within the audio drama community from your point of view? And what are you hoping to get out of today? Yeah, sure. So I answered the first question. Basically, I think I'm more like, a cross between sort of the Sonic Society as in like, it's a every occurring like updating feed of like reviews, I guess, variety dramas kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, kind of combo that and maybe like um, 
I guess now that Tumar, not the Tumar Horn, Horner, I guess a little bit of Roger Ebert, I guess, so to speak, kind of like a, I actually live in his hometown, I guess. So yeah, it's interesting how I kind of, kind of gravitate to that kind of thing or whatever. Um, okay. But in terms of the other panels, I think I'm really interested in the mastering, I guess, as I'm, well, I'm, I think my, I just use, I, but what I use, I basically use level later pretty much at the very end of the process kind of thing. Right. And then kind of like throw it up there. Um, but I like to go a little more in depth with the mastering process, I guess. So yeah, it's like look forward to, I guess. Cool. Yeah. It's one of those really important parts that just like the beginning of the line cleaning, it's no mm. fun, but, oh, yeah, definitely not, fun. Yeah. but it's a very subtle art. I am not, I'm a competent person for what we do, but I am by no means a master of mastering. And I'm really looking forward to that one as well. Definitely. Tanya, what about you? What are you looking forward to today? Honestly, um, I'm looking forward to learning more about in general about like the, the process of uh, matching audio, because I feel like I'm not, I'm not that good at it. I, there's a lot to learn with taking, let's say for satellite recordings, everyone has their own setup, uh, maybe is using a different microphone and Lothar, you, Austin Beach, uh, Dane, you know, I've heard so many people out there, like even um, with the White Vault and, you know, Travis and Brandon Strader, they do this as well with being able to carve out the right frequencies and the right pitches to make all of these different microphones sound like the same mic and like the positioning is exactly the same. And also John Scott Ballantyne does a lot of filters where if someone walks away from the main focus, you can hear the echo increasing as they walk away and they sound farther away. So it's a, it's a filter slow fade in on that filter effect and it's a volume decrease or increase if they're showing up, maybe they're echoier farther away and they get closer. So the realization of 3D space is, is very impressive. I would love to get to that point uh, in terms of my skill set with editing. And I'm very excited just to gain wisdom and learn more about it. General, um, definitely frequencies. I don't know as much as I could about blending yeah. those. Yeah, that's uh, those are the areas that I'd really like to have more of a, a real true audio engineering background. Yeah. You've got somebody who can run the EQ board and really can be masterful at it. That goes yeah. away. And um, yeah. Mm. Jeff, what about you? What, about, what are you looking forward to today? Well, since I know next to nothing about anything, um, that then I'm looking really to everything just to try to soak it all in and like, I don't even understand what frequency is. So, so, um, you know, it's just, um, cause it's not, it's not my strong suit at all in this, you know, I, I do it and, and, uh, you know, but I'm not very good at it. So, um, I just, I, I'm, you know, matching, like you said, you know, uh, talking yesterday when Ed and Kareem were talking about room tone and matching room tone and I'm going, I don't, you know, I don't even think about that, you know? So, it's it's um, just all these things that I've never thought about because I'm not very technical and I'm not really into all the technical stuff. You know, I, um, I'm more into the acting and writing end of it, but yeah. but I do it, you know, to put it out, to put stuff out. So I'm looking forward to everything that anyone wants to share and is generous enough to share. And I can't wait to hear it. Cool. Yeah, something that I uh, we talked a little bit about yesterday, and I think this ties in a little bit with the whole frequency thing and everything is, there's the whole technical side of it, which is really, you know, very, can be very overwhelming and very confusing, especially if, if we're not automatically thinking along those ways. And 
the science behind acoustics, the first I mentioned a little bit yesterday in the, the com, you know, complete, you know, idiot's guide to acoustics or the or acoustics for dummies or whatever is a great primer for it. Just even like little things can bring wonder back of like even just realizing a sound wave is just a mechanical wave created by air molecules hitting each other. And it's only sound because our ears and brain interpret it as such. That blows me away. That, those sorts of things open up wonder because it's like, that's so damn cool. And it's like, then you go, why do we need room tone? Oh, because we don't live in a vacuum. <laughs> We're always having air touching our ears at some level and creating some sense of sound. So that's why we need room tone. We need, we can't drop off to complete silence. So little things like that. And it's like, I'm sure a true, you know, acoustician would be going like, oh my God, he's getting it completely wrong and this and that and the other, but just even a little bit of knowledge and that opens up that sense of wonder and mystery goes like, great, now I can apply it to the tech and then it's not quite so scary and it becomes fun. And then you play around with it in your, in your DAW and you go, wow, I completely screwed it up, but that was really weird. And maybe I can use that for an effect. And, you know, just that, that sense of play and that sense of wonder, it just, you know, that's kind of what I'm hoping to get out of today is a little bit more of, of that. And uh, be able to then go into the places that maybe were a little scary for me of like, I don't, I'm not sure I want to tackle that. Well, maybe, maybe after this weekend, I'll have enthusiasm to do so. And, uh, you know, you, you brought, you brought um, yesterday when you talked about uh, doing video and laying down black. Oh yeah. Laying down room tone. And it just brought me, right now, back, right? brought me right back. Brought me right back to the eighties, you know, yes. uh, teaching filmmaking and, you know, lay down your black, lay down your mm -hmm. room tone, you know, make mm -hmm. sure that's all there. And, and, mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, so that was kind of a fun trip down memory lane. But I have the, a question um, on that. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I, I don't know much about uh, analog, uh, physical editing of analog, but I really do want to learn more. It's fascinating. What do you mean? So you, you lay down a track and then do you have to carefully make cuts immediately after the end of the word and right before the previous that uh, word began um, so that there's not additional room tone? This was, um, so this was for what was called inline uh, editing systems. So this okay. was, you would have basically a bunch of uh, tape decks all set up around a big mixing board and a big computer that would, you know, interface with all those things. And before the session started, the tapes had to be set up right. So mm -hmm. you laid down a certain set of black that you set up with the waveform vector scope to make sure it was the right type of black. And that lays down a magnetic signal on the magnetic oh, wow. tape that is basically like, like when you just hit record on a VCR, it's doing that, but basically it's just putting black at a certain frequency and a certain audio signal under there that is also laying down time code. Time code was something that when, you had to have time that's code. how they would be able to run their editing system because you had the beginning sense. of the tape, was it zero, 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 and it went hours, minutes, seconds, and then frames, which is how they break up their seconds in video. That's All how the Goldwave way to the does it. end of it, I'm sorry? That's how Goldwave does it. Yeah, yeah. Time wave, time, yeah. time code is great because then you yeah, can always... wave could then take that audio yeah. and be brought into video. So that goes to the end. And then when you are doing your edits, you are programming it into a computer that goes, okay, from tape deck A, which is my source, I want from this second or this time code mark to this time code mark, I'm going to bring that into my editing decision list, which I'm making basically a big script of saying how everything's going to go on. Now I'm going to put wow. that on the videotape and I'm going to transfer that over and one tape runs to play the other tape starts recording at that specific time code mark and lays it down and then that computer can also say i want a crossfade of this many seconds to this next clip that i'm going to bring in 
So cool. So you're manually and, doing all these presets and effects. Yes, I and get the it. tapes okay. are rewinding, fast forwarding, recording, and doing it all in real wow. time. And that's why wow. really long edit sessions, you'd have to plan out your session really well because it's like, I got to play this in real time. I can't just cut and paste and there it is. Yep. I got to actually wow. play it so that I record it, yeah. the tape. It's so cool. And I was doing and that it. That was so much easier than 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 film, which I have very little experience with that. Jeff used to do film. So when yeah, you're talking, I, I, I'm talking most about tape. film. And and yeah, when actually in the old days, we used to actually have the negative, you know, of the film, and you'd run it through a movieola or whatever, and then you'd have a little, you know, machete thing, you know, you'd actually physically cut it and put it back together and like had this little tapey thing. You know, and you that's how you were doing your your cuts. And then when we moved to because I've been lucky to move through all kinds. So when we did video, it was very much like what Lothar just said, and it was completely analog. You know, you'd have a VCR here and a VCR here, and then you'd have you know four monitors and you'd have a, a mixing board in the middle, and you do the same thing. You'd lay down your your block, your your, your time code, all that stuff, and and then you just physically manipulate the buttons and tell it what to do. And then it would just go, and they would do it. And then you do the next one and you'd fade, had a fader bar in the middle. And, yeah, you know, I would have loved that. That's so cool. It, it was fun, you know, and then computers came in and then it was a hybrid thing. You know, we had to digitize. Yeah. And, but anyway, the whole thing, but the, yeah. it's interesting now that, you know, we can sit down at a laptop or whatever and, and do it the way we can do it now as opposed to the way we used to do it, especially with sound, you know, it, it was, I remember doing the first, the first audio uh, radio dramas we did when I was teaching a course and was, we did it on like cassette recorders with little cheap mics that came with the cassette recorders. You know what I mean? And we were doing practical sound effects at the mics, you know, pump up paper and stuff like that and because there was no technology that we had at that time like 1981 or whatever it was yeah um so it's come a long way yeah now i, I don't know as a kid now it's beyond, now it's beyond <laughs> me so i'm like uh, yeah i can do the old stuff but i have to call lothar up and go hey help me out you know and that was the other thing when when the first digital video se sessions came out people were still filming on regular analog videotape yep so a assistant editor a tape op would have to spend like a, a graveyard shift beforehand literally putting tapes into the machine loading them into this huge massive hard drive bank mm -hmm. as it did and digitize it so that when the person came in the next morning to do the session everything was already ready to go for the digital session but you had to like spend that time transferring everything and you had to like press play and just yeah. like do it eventually they started being able to do it faster speeds than one-to-one -one, but um yeah that was always fun wow yeah, yeah we have crazy. these banks of hard drives that just were connected that were you know chained yep. together you yep. just digitize all these tapes and it took forever and some just but even that was amazing way. the fact that it's like you take a mechanical wave of those air molecules hitting each other that hit our ears and then we've been able to turn that into a digital signal that we can then or a not a digital signal but a electromagnetic wave that we can then stick onto magnetic tape that can then be decoded and turned back into an analog wave out of a speaker all that's magic to me. I mean, I understand yeah. that it, it's science, but it's so cool that yeah. it's like, that's awesome. That is just amazing. Yeah. You know, and then we turn it into digital and we can send it over lasers from, you know, different broadcast, you know, towers. Just, mm. wow. That's crazy. Yep. My, my dream is to get a fully controllable surface that I can just attach to my, my digital audio workstation, like Reaper or something, and mm. then just, just do everything physically. It would be super, I mean, that's, that's my goal eventually. 
um, to get to that point. So I'm, I'm excited. I have I a goal. Thing, it's, it's always good to have a goal. <laughs> goals are good. I, yeah. I started thinking on Twitter yesterday definitely. where <laughs> somebody had a, they said, if you're not editing on one of these, you're missing it out. It was a screen and they had a pen. You can see the waves on it. I don't even know how it works. Oh, that looks cool. You know, and, and I don't even know. I'll have to, I'll have to look it up, see if I can find it again, shoot it to you guys. But I don't even know what it is. I'd never seen it before, but uh, it, it was more of a way to physically manipulate things rather than keyboards. Wow. So I don't know. I don't know what it is. I, it's an know, Etch-A-Sketch for audio. It, that's exactly that's it. <laughs> cool. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Michael, I wonder. That, yeah. Oh, go ahead. If no, it's not saying anything. It's making a joke or whatever. It's like any limitation the extra sketch, I guess, or whatever. Or you can limit it, I guess, a little bit. So, yeah. 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 Well, I wonder if you could teach like kids it. audio editing that way with, with an etch sketch approach because they get to move their, <laughs> you know, move their hands around the screen as they want and who knows what they'll create. It'd be awesome. Yeah. Like well, I used to love the, PKG, the maybe? Gold Wave. Yeah. Gold Wave had that weird panning uh, oh, it does. tool yeah. that was really neat. Um, I think more graphic uh, interfaces like that could be really cool. And I'm sure there's a lot out there in various plugins and stuff um, that I'm just unaware of. Yeah, but, me too. yeah I think that would be yeah. great. And that, that would be, that would be a great way to teach kids um, the fun of doing video or audio editing. And, and as user interfaces get more and more easy, I mean, some of the stuff for like video editing now is so, so much more simple than what I just described a few minutes ago and so much more powerful also. Um, that's pretty incredible. We get into, the problem that I think everybody has seen with uh, digital stuff where that means that everybody can do this. And that's going to be the problem that everybody can do this. You know, that's always the old joke that you get the, you get, you get more of everything, including the good and the bad, which leads uh, not necessarily to the good and the bad, but um, Michael now here with everybody going on and thinking about audio drama and you having a lot of experience doing reviews and everything. Is there any thing that you'd like to see people in the audio drama community do like types of productions, content that hasn't been covered before, uh, genres that are underrepresented in your mind. What are things that if you had any requests to people of like, hey, if you've ever thought about doing this type of story, I think people would really like it. Yeah, sure. Um, most recently, I listened to um, the first few episodes of a podcast called Untold Virginia. And that basically, it blew my mind in terms of like, it sort of blended like the true crime elements with like fi fictional podcast creation, I guess, like seamlessly. Like I cannot tell if it was, it was like watching a production, fantasy production, but actual story as well. Um, mm -hmm. So that's interesting to me. Right on. Um, I would say I'm looking for more, definitely more fantasy audio dramas, I guess. We'd have something be interesting to see, I guess. Um, uh, but the caveat of not it, like, don't just take your fantasy novel, I guess, with different actors and sound effects, that kind of stuff, and like turn it into a full cast production. I would say, like, right. actually adapt it, kind of thing, to make it like fit with audio, audio kind of thing. That makes um, perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That way, yeah. the best possible version of or whatever. Um, and I'd. And though I said that the Untold Virginia podcast was basically a docudrama or a true crime fiction podcast kind of thing, um, it's sort of become saturated a little bit, in my opinion, with sort of like that kind of format, I guess. So, mm -hmm. sort of right. steering away from that a little bit would be a thing that good for the for good for the community, I think. So, cool, nice, yeah. Your uh, discussion about um, uh, fantasy is 
well on target because I think one of the problems with a lot of modern fantasy, including in novels, is the sprawling sprawling army of characters that goes on and on. And it's like, let's let's detail everybody who lives in the nation almost. And do you really want to have to deal with that many actors in your show? Exactly. Uh, you think that your audience can follow that many characters in an audio show, you know, so paring it down, maybe going back to older style of fantasy where it's short stories uh, that where you had like two to seven characters that maybe interacted in that and working around that sort of model and building your world around that and not the thousand page multi-book sprawling epic that everybody wants to be Tolkien when they grow up. Um, it's something just to keep in mind of like, remember that you're a medium. You are not, you're not being a novelist now. And, and I think yep. we've all heard about that, especially back in the old audio drama talk days where people would be like, oh, I just tried this and I didn't realize maybe I'll do something different. Mm -hmm. yep. Tanya, you've done some uh, fantasy with the uh, Lightning Bolt Theater of the Mind. Um, what are your thoughts on, on that as a genre and the, the, cause that's also a very visual genre. And I know people are uh, sort of, mm -hmm. it's a little very action oriented and a lot of special effects and maybe that scares people. And, uh, Oh, I, I can see how that would be intimidating if you, if you haven't really uh, dipped your feet into editing yet, but our style is more, um, we try to limit the characters and the way that we sort of gave the illusion of having an army of characters throughout the series is more so because all of these count as different universes, but the characters appear in each one and they just change their kind of their, their behaviors. Uh, ultimately at heart, they're the same character. They just might act, their personality might be different in some way and the actions are different, the circumstances. So, you can always do that too. You can have that repeating loop or something that happens one season to the next, but we definitely have that older style where we limit the characters. We don't want to get too confusing. And also, frankly, we don't know that many people to include. And uh, like, like many of, of you have said here during this conference, it's, we do auditions for a while, but then when you get your core group of actors who, you know, you can, reach out to and ask them for recommendations. You can ask them if they're willing to be in your show. It's, it opens up the possibilities in that regard. And a lot of auditions, maybe you find great talent, but then sometimes things happen and they don't respond or what have you. Um, it's just quicker and, and easier to have a core group that you can reach out to. And so having our hub here is, is very helpful. Um, in terms of the Facebook groups that we're in and all of this. Uh, so if you join, join in that regard, it will help you meet a lot of people who can lend you their voice. Um, and then the other thing I would say for magical effects, we try to build our own, like mm -hmm. take, you know, fill a glass with water and then, you know, you run your finger around the rim and it makes a cool sound or various mm -hmm. things around the house and making blending it and changing the frequency and slowing it down this is a great uh, possibility to play with the sound and experiment with the presets and uh, do your own thing change the numbers see what happens and then with fight scenes i think that's the hardest for us is mm. getting them right because <laughs> yeah. they either sound sometimes larger than life which works or fake, like the sound effects themselves don't sound quite right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Finding good fight sound effects is definitely a challenge sometimes. So we try to make our own, obviously without hurting ourselves, you know, more like you can, you can go, you know, like that or something. And it sounds enough like a, 
like someone's getting slapped that it would work uh, yeah. for that that scenario. Obviously, you know, you're your own fo Foley artist, but in my experience, it sounded a lot better than any other sound effects I could find. Yeah, I had to purchase some to uh, for myself because it's like I wanted it good. I'm just going to spend the money. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's worth it. And uh, I have to say about your your multiple versions of the characters in the different universes as the person who played Marcus. Um, I really which enjoyed, you rock at. <laughs> which I was so much fun. The different versions of that, and it was interesting to have sort of like this like multiple versions of the same character. That was really kind of cool. I, I like what you and Josh did with uh, with taking that into its its current iteration. Yeah, thank you. It's it's um, Josh is really, really good with consistency. So if some storyline, there's an issue with the storyline somewhere, or there are um, indiscrepant, you know, things that don't quite add up that have to be fixed, he'll he'll come up with some way to make it work where nobody has to record extra lines. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, he's uh, talking about that. And it's like, you are the continuity master, Josh. Yes, exactly. Like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this, this show is actually going to start playing on Mutual Audio Network. Uh, I think starting next month, I just recorded some of the intros for Wednesday Wonders. So it is coming up either in August or September. I just sent both months off to Jack and it's all blurring together. Tanya, uh, would you mm -hmm. like to pimp your uh, show a little bit? Sure. Um, so it's called Altered Avalon. There's that iteration. And then there's the City of Hedges, which encompasses City of Brambles, City of Roses, and City of Thorns. And those are three arcs to the story. It's basically a, a fantasy show um, with, you know, mythical creatures. And it, it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. You can and check it's an, it out. It's an urban fantasy. So it takes place yeah. in the modern day. Exactly. Somebody. Yeah, it does. It kind of blends everything together into one fun adventure. Sure. Great. Yeah. Jeff, what about you? What do you think about fantasy? Uh, have you ever wanted to tackle a fantasy show now that you're starting to, to get your action chops up mixing? Well, you know, I, as you know, Lothar, I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons since the seventies, <laughs> you know, and, uh, still play three times a week. And, um, you know, so yeah, definitely. And um, I was always intrigued by, you know, Bill Holweg's Grog and Griffin. Yeah. Um, and just how that thing was going about 150 miles an hour straight ahead, you know, and uh, just, and I was, um, you know, when he asked me to, to be a character in it, and I, I was intrigued because what he did was he asked me to build a character like you would in Dungeons and Dragons. Yep. And so I built this character and then uh, gave him a backstory and sent it all to Bill. And then he put it in. Um, unfortunately, it was later in the series and he didn't finish it because of it. obviously he passed away. But, um, you know, it was uh, it was interesting. So I've always thought about I've always thought about doing something with fantasy and, and um, I don't quite know what yet, what it would take because I, I, uh, I love what, what you did Lothar with Crimson Tatters, you know, because you took fantasy and you kind of flipped it on its side of, you know, the tropes, the, you know, the thing and, and, and um, which I thought was fantastic. And, and so I, I definitely would like to do some fantasy and I think it's, it's, something that you don't see a ton of and it's not easy to do that's for sure um you know maybe something more than just kind of the classic you know 
we take an elf and a orc and listen to that and you know make a party and go you know meet in a tavern and go you know what i mean it's kind yeah. of maybe, oh, Tolkien with the serial numbers filed off yeah right. yeah, yeah you know what i mean it's something so so i i think that i think that that's that's kind of overdone you know in terms of in terms of the genre you know you know every D character you know his parents are dead you know what i mean and you know like that you know it's it's like um but I, I definitely I, I don't have anything in mind, but it's it's back there somewhere cranking around and it's it's gonna come out. I you know, I've I've been working on the western stuff and and you know all that because we did the westerns and Sonic Echo and in Sonny kind of that got in my brain and and I've been playing with noir because now we're doing noir this season and I'm finding that very challenging because I'm not trying to just play with the I'm not trying to just include all the tropes of noir. I'm trying to do something different with it. And it's yeah. not quite working, but it's just, that's part Don't of the go down that dark rabbit hole too much. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah Cause it's like, but it, I think that's kind of the fun of it to, you know, just play with those scripts and, and see what you can come up with. And there, you know, once in a while you, you get, I, once in a while I might get a decent one, you know, most of them aren't, but um, so yeah, it's always fun. It's just, it's just a fun process. Well, when you mentioned Bill, Bill gave me some really good advice that I utilized hopefully well in sort of the Crimson Tatters, which was he and I were talking on the phone as we were, as I was working through the scripts and he's like, yeah, and just remember, remember, man, when you're doing it, it's like, you know, make a little comment. It's like, oh, what, you almost took my head off. Oh, oh, no. And he would do that and it'd be on the phone. It's like, oh, yeah. And I remember working in something where it's like I wanted to get across with these strange creatures that are as attacking him i think it's in the first episode and they've got these tentacles that come out of their eyes and they're really weird well, how so do you cool. that without doing this like weird exposition dump and so i you know i'm like hearing bill's voice in my head i'm like he's like wait those damn tentacles coming out of your eyes ah you know he goes into it the way only bill could right yeah. michael as a fan what have you heard and not heard in audio description for those sorts of things of getting information across that has been that has worked effectively and seemed naturalistic and, and maybe times that it hasn't been as, uh, that it's been maybe a little more clumsy. And would you have any recommendations as a fan of what you would like to see in that way? Sure. Um, I've definitely said that like the whole using, focusing too much on dialogue, I guess, could be a problem, I guess. Like if a person's looking out for that truck or whatever, that's that's pretty okay. But look out for that brown truck with a, with a logo of like a Pepsi logo on it or whatever. It's, right. the, it's a little bit too much, I guess, in that case. Gotcha. Um, you can put line sound effects a little bit more, I guess, depending on the story you're telling, I guess. Um, in terms of tips, uh, I did some tips, I guess. So the, <laughs> um, yeah, I can't think of anything else at the time, about moment, but yeah, it's, it's yeah. Sort of so basic That's, kind of thing. So yeah. yeah. It's like, look at that wonderful person over there who's wearing a three-piece suit and blah, blah, blah. And isn't that a crazy, yeah, it's, that's, yeah. It's too much. Like, everybody yeah. has to deal with that of like, how do we, in drama in general, get exposition across well and in audio it's like it's even harder so yeah, yeah finding that balance so yeah. yeah and uh yeah i think another thing that's always a challenge for for all of us is the more we listen to audio drama the more we do it maybe the less new user friendly we become because oh, yeah. we already have a more advanced listening style and that's not necessarily bad but it's always good to be aware of and do it consciously of here i want to push my audience to maybe get them to work a little harder in my story but not alienate them and maybe i'll push the boundaries here and maybe i'll find out that oh that was a bad idea and i'll never do it again but at least be conscious that you're doing that that you're moving into that area mm -hmm. and make sure that you still have give people a, a link in and that's uh, yeah that's always a challenge to to remember and to bring in i think you bring up something good 
uh, both Michael and Lothar, when you talk about the exposition part and, and what I always try to do, because I come from a classical literature, a lot of Shakespeare and stuff like that, um, that I always try to get away from like the narration thing, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Or, or a big exposition dump right in the beginning of somehow that's right. like that's like you said, Michael. That's just kind of stilted. You know what I mean? The, mm -hmm. the truck with the, 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 you know, that's like it's just it takes you because I think it takes people out of the, out of the actual narrative of the story. And so, to try and and I don't know if I'm successful at it, but I try to weave it more into the fabric of the story so that I don't need to have a narrative. Now I know sometimes like in in noir, you know, you have those tropes of narrator and that that works there. You know, but I mean, but still it's, it's, you know, just trying to weave that exposition part into the fabric of the conversation. So it's more natural and it flows and it would be like a real conversation yeah. rather than have this huge narrator part in the beginning, you know, and then it, it's like that. So I, I think that's, that's a style that I try to try to do. I'm, I'm not successful at it, but um you know, it's just, uh, that's something that people might think about in terms of their writing style, and how they do audio drama, um, you know, going forward, something to think about. Yeah, and um, something that Jack brought up on uh, Friday in one of the panels, I think it was one of the panels with um, Steve Schneider and Bob Arnold, uh, there was the discussion of the, the main difference between narration in general, narrative in general, and drama, which is that one is past tense, you're, you're narrating what has already occurred mm -hmm. to being yeah. thrust right into the action. And they're not always incompatible, but again, we've got something to where if you're going to make that contrast, do it artistically so it is a true contrast and not a conflict. Um, sure. you know, and that's the hard thing. It's like you can bring in different colors and some colors work really well together, even if they're almost conflicting, but you can make it really work. Uh, same sort of thing with narrative aspects, and that's always a personal thing, but just be aware that that is actually what's going on with narration and drama. They are different. Bring them together when they're right, but don't don't automatically assume they're going to work fine because that is a bit jarring. Sure. Sure. And I think if you take, like, I, I you know, bringing up Shakespeare, you know, I would urge people to go back and, and you know, take a look at, you know, Winter's Tale or Othello or, or something like that, you know, and see what he's doing at, as he's making his way through. And not that we can all write like Shakespeare. I certainly can't. Um, but but to get a sense of, of the way to craft a story, because, you know, when you read Shakespeare, there, there's no stage directions in Shakespeare. Um, you know, as a director, a theater director, you know, directing Shakespeare, it's just all in the text. Everything's in the text and you just pull it out. It's all there. You don't need anything else. And, and um you know, I, I think a lot of times I listen to audio drama and it's just, you know, I, I only listen to a certain point because it just kind of, oh, this is the same old thing I keep hearing all the time. And, um, and so, you know, maybe to try and try and, you know, imitative writing is a good exercise just to kind of widen out your writing style. Yeah. If that's, you know, just to, um, even if it's just a short thing, not that you're going to produce it or anything, but just to try to write like somebody else and, and uh, some of the great writers out there. It's, it might be worth it to just try to stretch yourself as a writer. Sure. Tanya, do you have any thoughts on any of this? Or? 
Yeah, um, I was writing some like keywords down so I didn't forget what I was going to say. Um, the points as you guys were were talking, I was listening. Um, so it made me think of a couple things. Uh, one of them is, and these are just devices that might help you use characters to tell the story and get through some of this exposition. So actions, by that I mean what the characters are physically doing, how their behavior changes based on what someone else has said, uh, what someone else said in that scene. So for example, if, if someone says, do you wanna go buy strawberry ice cream? And the person, the other character puts down their, their bowl or something emphatically and walks out, then that could be tied to a flashback when their parent died just as they were supposed to get some strawberry. Now that sounds, that's really sad. That's a sad oh, yeah. example, yeah. but I'm just trying to illustrate. <laughs> as we all laugh. <laughs> so I, like, I, don't, I don't know. Okay. This is really depressing. This is the opening for your new, Tanya, this is the opening for your new horror show, Strawberry Ice Cream Massacre. And that's the that's origin great. story to the serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. With the empty cones looking right. to fill them with strawberry ice cream. Yes. That's it. Point <laughs> so of the tiger, what? <laughs> I don't even know. Um, so basically, um, then what I was thinking was after the action, the person leaves. Okay, the behavior's off. Then you have a flashback of what happened to that person. And then it goes back to your main story. Um so then there's also other people around them can reference something or you can use the narrator to have internal monologue journal entries. You could have them talking to others um, in conversation, explaining something, except this way it's less dry because they're, they're talking to someone, but also, I guess, include as much detail in the scene to make it realistic and feel like it's fluidly moving forward as you can, because that will help disguise some of these narrative uh, things that you do. And then uh, the other thing I was thinking was to Jeff's point about just writing, emulating other writing so that you can continue growing as a writer and developing your own style is you can do something called writing in character, especially if you're trying to develop the characters, you sit down, take 15 minutes, uh, do like a, an exercise where you relax your, your mind if that's something that speaks to you and then just start writing as that character and see what comes out because you never know if you could use that somewhere in your story. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Great idea. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, there's, uh, it also brings up, there's a lot of these techniques of different ways of telling stories that have you know happened in the last 100 to 150 years from the straight, here's the beginning, here's the middle, here's the end. We've got everything from the postmodern nonlinear storytelling of Quentin Tarantino to, you know, various different techniques that are used novelistically, parallel storylines and stuff. This is something to where I think everybody could think about like, okay, I'm not going to do exactly what they did and just try and make a film on, you know, in audio or something, but go a little deeper than that of like, okay, just the narrative of what Tanya was talking about, of like a, pre of a, of a dramatic thing going to a flashback or this other thing. How has it been done in other media that's been effective for you? How could you translate that into audio? How could you not say, I'm just doing the same thing without images, yeah. but how can I maximize the soundscape? How can I use this? Because especially with film, we're stuck in a, a, a time constraint of you're, you're, you're listening to it play out. Now, of course we can stop it, we can pause it, we can rewind it, but still there's a, it's a temporal component and that aspect uh, can be played around with. And that's one of the things that we should maximize with audio because we do have that benefit and this aural soundscape. And I think that we can really plumb that a lot more than, than we have so far. And people have keep, keep going, but we haven't reached the limit. 
So I guess that's yeah, more, we yeah. haven't peaked there yet, but everybody keeps improving upon it. Keep hearing shows where it's like, how the heck did you do that? That's awesome. And, yep. you know, so. Um, I was just going to say that I totally agree with that. And you just made me think of something when you were talking about that Lothar, that one thing we haven't talked about in this conference, at least yet, maybe today, someone will bring it up is, is like transitions and flow. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about that later on. Absolutely. Oh, good, good, good. I can't wait to hear that because, because one of the things I always loved about, especially Bill Holbeck's work in, in yours as well, Lothar, but especially with Bill was his bravery and his transitions uh, of, of the length of them, but the, the, you know, the mixing of them and how it brought you from this mood or whatever it was to that one. And it was just so masterful. He did stuff that I was like, how did you even think of that? Yeah. You know? And I was just, I, so I'll, you know, I, I encourage everyone, please, please, please. You know, maybe we'll, we should put links up for Bill's stuff somewhere so people can go listen. Because if you want a master class in mixing and writing audio drama and just producing audio drama, just listen to Bill Holweg. Go, uh, go to the sonicsociety.com and uh, look, do a search for Bill Holweg retrospective, and a lot of different things will come oh, up. There's a bunch of us but, talking about oh, this. Yeah, that, that, that's a good point. Yeah. They, and then, but I just, I, I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking at the clock and realizing we're almost out of time. So um, does anybody have any last uh, advice for the day or anything? we got just a couple of minutes and then we'll. Uh, I was thinking um, if anyone is, is uh, interested in doing a collaboration, it would be so much fun to create a choose your own adventure audio drama that can be yep. played through like a web browser, or you can oh, download a zip folder with a readme or something like that. Yeah. And then choose all of these different endings. And this might be also a fun way to play with narrative and creating narrative through various flashbacks, various character development scenes that you may or may not run into, depending on which decision tree you choose. It would be kind of interesting for the community to do this as a, as a community project and see where it goes. Sure. Yeah. And I know Tanya has some really great ideas. She's uh, brainstormed some stuff with some of us offline for a while. And yeah, we did. Definitely yeah. Seen that. Should pick that up again because that was so we interesting. Should. That was so much fun. I, I, I was actually thinking, Lothar, you brought that up, is it, it might have been fun to uh, weave in like all the panelists and participants, like an exquisite corpse, you know, thing oh, where, where yeah. you know, somebody started it, somebody picked it up, somebody picked it up. And then at the end, you had this kind of crazy script, you know, and then you, yeah. you could produce it from the MadCon 2021. It's, you know, I <laughs> guess we could still do it. Idea. That's you a know, cool I, idea. I love that. We could still do it, I guess. But, it, you know, it would be uh, be so much fun. And then I think it would also be a way to link everyone together. And, and you know, because we all did this. Because we it, it, it's talking, we've talked about collaborating, 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 because everyone is so into that in this community. You know, and it might be a way to just kind of jump to jumpstart that, you know, and you come yeah. up with this this kind of wacky audio drama that's, you know, yep. exquisite yeah. corpse, you know, like that. Very cool. That's a great oh. idea. And we're pretty much at time. So I want to thank our panelists, Michael Berganzi, Jeff Billard, and Tanya Milojevic. And thanks to everybody for joining us this weekend. And I hope everybody enjoys the panel sessions we have planned today. Next up, we're gonna have Breaking It Down in just about 15 minutes at 11.15 Eastern with moderator Jack Ward and panelists Ellie Maitlin, John Scott Ballantyne, and myself. And hope to see you all there. Woohoo! Fantastic. Jack, are you around to end the recording?
Thank you for listening to Sunday Showcase on the Mutual Audio Network. We invite you to continue the amazing audio tomorrow on Mutual with the Monday Matinee. Our weekly series of dramatic, theatrical, classic, eclectic, and live radio dramas. You can subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed every day for the world's largest curated collection of audio drama or find the Monday Matinee feed in your favorite podcast players. See you tomorrow at the Matinee and thanks so much for listening. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.